Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dives. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Burrow bouncing in the pocket. His throw caught at the 10-yard line. T. Higgins straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 129, 129er of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. We can taste it, we can smell it, it's on the horizon, it's almost here. Thank goodness the draft is almost here. Nathan Palmer. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. That was an interesting introduction this week, son. I can uh, tell you're a little bit excited about the NFL draft. Well, I'm excited in the, in the in the sense that it's almost here and we don't have to talk about it anymore. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's always. It is good. a long old period of speculation, isn't it? And it's always funny with the draft because you speculate it for so long, and then you have about a week or two to debrief it, and then that's when the NFL goes into that really dull, quiet period for about sort of three months between four months between now and training camp. So at least we've got something to talk about now, uh, son. You might be uh, counting some chickens in a few weeks when we're when we're struggling. I will tell mind you the draft process is literally like counting chickens really isn't it you look at the chickens you figure out what kind of wingspan they have you figure out what you know what their feet are like how many eggs they can lay I'm trying to push Beak this size. I'm trying to push this chicken metaphor for all it's worth and it's it's I don't think it can go any further but I yeah as much as I enjoyed the draft process this year uh, it's been really intense hasn't it really intense yeah, I think because I think now more than ever, there's so many different content outlets online with, you know, all these different. I, mean, I think one thing that's definitely been heavily used by a lot of fans this year is that PFF mock draft simulator. I think people, there's something madly addictive about that. Like, I'll sit there on like a weekend morning, just like playing out all these ridiculous scenarios and trying to trade for as much as I can and stuff. And I think when you do that, you tend to sort of a good way to sort of familiarize yourself with the prospects and stuff like that so i think yeah the draft every year it just seems to sort of go up a level every single year doesn't it in terms of just how intense it becomes and how sort of revered it is by fans so yeah yeah. i mean there has been some i mean probably too much chat really and um yeah i mean i think because before you come into the draft you'd argue that based on what everyone has said every single player in the process is going to be outstanding you know what i mean you've got like us like foaming at the mouth about people like milton williams who like everyone thinks is coming to cincinnati he's going to be a pro bowler he's going to be the next geno atkins yeah, and right. in reality you know you you look at that sort of those guys in like two three years time they might be out of the league you know because i yeah, think at the moment yeah. everyone has got such you only really tend to in the draft process focus on the positives of guys and not actually i think this guy is going to be a complete failure you know what i mean it's yeah. very much sort of positively spun so it's always so interesting evaluating these um draft classes two three years down the line yeah and you, a team like the bengals have got plenty of holes to fill and lots of improvements to make you really want three or four uh players to hit and become starters really realistically yeah. speaking that's what you want isn't it yeah absolutely yeah because I, I think in the past certainly the last couple of years the bengals have struggled to really get some quality starters out and you look back to when they had that golden period about five years ago six years ago now and that was as a result of absolutely nailing some draft classes starting obviously with Andy Dalton and AJ Green in rounds one and two 
Um, and then just building, you know, looking back to some of those steals. It's those guys in the later rounds that when we got Geno Atkins in the fourth round, getting a Pro Bowl talent like that in the later rounds just massively helps build your roster and get quality starters. So fingers crossed this year we can nail, like you said, at least sort of four guys that mm. can be long-term starters for this team. And, you know, as we're picking fairly early on in the in the process, you'd hope certainly there'd be rounds one and two would be two of those guys. Absolutely. Do you know what? I feel like uh, everyone I talk to is about the draft. Have you seen that meme with that kind of lad shouting into the ear of a young woman in a nightclub? And oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like that. Like everyone I talk to, it's like <laughs> shouting, did you hear that Penai Saul has got 32 and one eighth inch arms? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And, and everyone looks really uninterested. So I'm ready for the draft. And uh, I hope you guys are out there um just a little rundown of what we're going to do today if we're not going to nathan and i aren't going to chat for too long mercifully you i can hear you rejoice out there um we're going to bring in our special guest joe goodbury in a little while uh joe of course is the pied piper of the internet i like to call him and uh i've known him for quite a long time and um he's always good enough to spend a bit of time with us uh during the draft process and uh, uh, yes in this episode he will make his annual appearance on Cincinnati so that's something to look forward to we've got half an hour with Joe and as you can imagine it's all really really good stuff um, I should also tell you about what's happening uh, or rather what we're doing uh, during the draft we're not going to go lie because a lot of people have got work the next morning a lot of people won't be staying up for it but we will have some uh, instant-ish reactions instant in terms of uh uh uk listeners we're going to be um doing sort of little video reactions each morning a bit like a, a kind of a bengals uk version of good morning britain i like to think and uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll be munching on our croissants and drinking our coffee and uh, i'll be eating my frosties on eight o'clock, uh, probably about eight o'clock on Friday morning, eight o'clock Saturday morning. We might do a bit of live stuff on the Saturday, but yeah, we'll be all over it, as you would imagine. So please come and join in. So um, should we stop talking, uh, Nathan? We're actually recording this at lunchtime. I've got a massive vegetarian meatball sub waiting for me right here. So um, I'm going to bring in Joe. How does that sound? Bring him in, my son. Well, as promised, it's one of the highlights of the year, really, let's face it. Um, he's come out of semi-retirement just for us. Now, that's a bit of a lie because he's been as active as ever on Twitter during this draft season. Uh, but he does always spend a bit of time with us this time of year. And it's uh, great to welcome back Joe Goodbury to the podcast. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. today. Wow. <laughs> I know. Think about Sorry. that. Yeah, we're having a great time. Okay, that's a bit of an in-joke there between me and Joe, but uh, we won't force that upon the listeners. Um, for a man who went into ceremony retirement, uh, what is it, last year? That's right, right after the draft. People are already sick of you this year, Joe. What's going yeah. on? I mean, you've been you've been around, haven't you? You've been fully invested in this whole draft process, which is great. Yep. You know, I, uh, I always knew I would be still invested and, and I'd still always care. I, and that part was never in question. It was um, always for me, the retirement was 
I'm not going to do it professionally or even semi-professionally. I don't want to have a schedule or, hey, we got to write about this topic that I don't want to do and, you know, things like that. So sometimes people ask me, well, hey, what third round guys do you like? And I'm like, give me a hundred dollars. I'll tell you what third round. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, I, I give right. you 2000 words on it. I mean, other than like a podcast appearance, which I, it's fun. I can talk all day, but writing, I never actually liked it. So Twitter hasn't gone away. My love for the game hasn't gone away. My love for evaluating the draft is still as strong as ever. Right. So this year uh, is a bit different from last year. As everyone knows, there isn't a surefire pick. Uh, Bengals fans have been, uh, divided shall we say uh lots of entertaining debate but it's still going round and round in circles is that a testament to how close of course i'm talking about uh saul and chase chase and saul uh is it a testament to how close these players are in terms of talent that no one can really you know it really i mean obviously there's this i think it's leaning towards chase at the moment because of various internet reports and people like Tyler Dragon say he knows the source that, you know, and Malik says he's, he's kind of knows and all this. So it seems to be leaning towards change, but, but in terms of talent is, is not a problem because I think it's like trying to choose between champagne and caviar at the top of the, of the draft uh, this year. Um, Is it a testament to how close these guys are in talent and best player availability? Yeah, I think completely. I think it's a marriage of these guys are really good, would probably be top five picks in any draft class. Uh, It just so happens the Bengals pick five, and there's a chance that four quarterbacks go ahead of them, and they've got their pick of last year they got the best quarterback in the draft. This year they're in another envious situation where they can pick the best non-quarterback potentially. And even if it's Kyle Bitts at four, whatever the case may be, uh, they're still going to get one of the guys that I think they have at the top, which is Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. And that's a great situation. So it sparks debate because not only are they both really good, so it's it's almost hard to have a strong argument when the other guy you're trying to put down a little bit is really good and you know it. So it's really, it's really difficult. But also because they left as they traditionally do. I feel like every year we've, we've chatted about this right before the draft. They leave one position open going into the draft. And you're like, yeah, they probably want to draft Frank Reg now at 21. Oh, he's gone. Let's take Billy Price because they they feel like they all right. Let's we got one spot. Let's fill it with in the draft. And this year, there's actually two or three spots that are open. Two on offense, wide receiver, and I would say right guard right now. But they have a little bit of flexibility. Could be right tackle. Could be uh, left tackle, depending on how they want to switch things around. So yeah, now we've got two premium guys that we all equally like. And we have two premium positions wide open on offense. It's making it a strong debate. And uh, I think that it's really, it's difficult. I wouldn't give them bad marks for any way they want to attack the first round. If they're coming away from that day one, Thursday night for us uh, with Penny Sewell or, or Jamar Chase, I, mm. I find it very hard to criticize them if they walk away with it. What's fascinating to me um obviously a lot of lot of listeners are kind of invested fully and they have their own opinions and they read articles and they listen to podcasts and they see civil wars and all sorts of stuff going on. Um, but then you get a lot of the national media seems to be, well, they're crazy if they don't draft Saul, right? Because Borough went down with a horrific injury and their offensive line was bad, which is all true, but it feels there feels like a lot more nuance to this debate than just like a a drive through 
kind of assumption. You know, you, you've got to look at, say, the history of how they've drafted in the past. You've got to, you can argue until the cows come home about positional value. You know, is it wide receiver now that's the real game changer or do you build from the inside out you know and it's 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 really kind of nuanced there again you can dig into all kinds of aspects i end up doing a lot of podcasts with people from you know not just bengals related podcasts which there are a lot and they're all really good the national guys or guys that are in different cities will say joe come on we want to argue out number five pick we want to hear what the bengals may be thinking of and whenever I start saying, you know, A.J. Green got 110 targets last year. They go three wide receiver 85% of the time, second mm-hmm. most in the league. They go, oh, they need a receiver. I said, yeah, they they didn't, and they need speed. And they need a guy that can play outside. Boyd's great in the slot. You want to keep Boyd where he's good. You want to keep your aces in their places, right? Keep Higgins at Z. Keep Boyd in the slot. They need an X receiver. You can't go into round two and round three. There's only maybe one guy, two guys at most that filled that unique role. And I think that's when I come away from these shows and they go, oh, okay, I can see it. Yeah. I understand why they need a receiver. I didn't think they needed one. I thought they was just Boyd and Higgins. They, they're good. They got two young guys. And then you, you, you dig in a little bit and you say, okay, they do need one. So how do they address the offensive line? Cause that's still an issue, right? Yeah. And yes, of course it is. It's been an issue. Signing Riley reef doesn't change that. Bringing back Quentin Spain doesn't change that. Bringing in Frank Pollock does a little bit. I like that addition. I like that upgrade. I think the, the running game will be better because of it. I think uh, as a whole, some of these guys were playing worse than I've ever seen them. There was some issues in Jonah Williams' game last year, and I thought he was good, but there were some times where I was like, why is he doing that? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that in four years of film on Alabama. Billy Price should not be this bad. You know I wasn't the biggest fan of him, but he shouldn't be this bad. Everybody said he would be at least a starting level offensive lineman in the NFL at the very least. And he's not that actually he paired with going out there and, and, and starting some of the worst interior offensive line play we've ever seen last year. And and it's not Billy Price. It's Michael Jordan. Also Jordan shouldn't be that bad either. I'm going to say it about a lot of these guys, because I think Jim Turner hurt this offensive line in a lot of ways. So you've already upgraded a lot just with your scheme and, and how guys should fit together. Now that doesn't mean they're out of the woods yet. They looking in the future, it's Jonah Williams, that's about it right now. Mm. They need to add more pieces to this team that's going to be on the offensive line in 2023, 24, 25. Uh, so they need to spend a premium pick or two there. So I still am with the Sewell argument. It makes a lot of sense to me. But when if someone says, hey, at 38, what's, what, what's best available? What do you think? What do you project is going to be there? It's going to be offensive line, I think. This, mm. We talked last year about the historic wide receiver class. Everyone said, oh, it's so strong. It's so good. A lot of people said, does the Bengals even need a receiver? They've got John Ross and A.J. Green coming back, things like that. And we talked, and I said, you know, Denzel Mims, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, these first-round guys are going to be there at the top of round two. The Bengals may take one. I think now it's it's the reverse. The O-line is a historic class. We haven't seen an O-line class like this in 10 years. Easy. Mm-hmm. There's going to be guys in round two, especially at the top, the Bengals pick sixth in round two, that are going to have first-round grades. You're basically giving yourself another first-round pick on the offensive line if you attack it that way. And even if you went Sewell, you're going to come back at 38, and there's going to be one of those guys there, and you could justify going back-to-back O-line. Mm. So that's part of the argument. The, the, the argument is, well, you get Chase, you get an O-line in round two. The Sewell guys can say the same thing in terms of start with two O-linemen and build this thing and let it be a good unit. Mm. And, of course, the, the, the question is, as you address there a little bit, What's the drop-off like? If you go Saul, 
what's the drop-off like? Uh, can you get a starting caliber wide receiver, someone that we need? Not because there's a lot of different types of wide receiver. You know, you look at the two more guys, uh, they're quick little fellas, you know. Are they true outside? Who knows? Right. Um De Brown sounds great. Terrace Marshall sounds great. But after that, is is there anything there? Then if you draw then then if you draft Chase, what's the drop off to offensive line there? And you so you're saying basically there's more there are more starting caliber offensive linemen at the top of that second round than there are uh, wide receivers, perhaps. And this wouldn't be the case if they needed a specific offensive lineman. If they just needed a right guard, which they do, but if it was like, oh, we need a right guard, I'd be like, yeah, there's probably two guys, three maybe. But they could use a right tackle. They could use a right guard. Trey Hopkins is a career guard that got pushed to center because they needed somebody. You could always move Hopkins back to guard if a center was there. And there might be two really good centers at that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in third round, there may be a couple more. So it, they have the flexibility. So once you bring in that entire pool, it's very similar to wide receiver where I'm like, yeah, there's maybe two guys, Marshall, Deami Brown at 38. If they're both, if, if one or the two are there that, yeah, that's an outside guy with some speed as some athleticism to, to complete this unit because they need a specific skill set. But at O-line, they have so much flexibility. They could draft anything. They could draft a career left tackle and move Jonah if they needed to. They could draft a, a center. The only thing they really probably shouldn't draft is a career left guard, and that's not a problem in this class. There's a lot of guys that have played multiple positions. So mm. that's the point. The, 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 the drop-off is there if you have a specific need. If you don't, like they don't on offensive line, it is wide open. Mm. Um. Again, we're not going to. I think people are both fascinated and sick and tired of the Chase Saul debate. So I think yeah. we just laid it out quite nicely there. Um, like you say, I, th- I think the majority of fans out there will be delighted with either Saul or Chase, right? That's, but you know, we're getting into minutiae here. Um, other needs on the on the team. Um, it's pass rush, right? It's still pass rush. You That's want a me. monster still? You. We lost Lawson, really good player. You know, again, you could argue the toss that they really could afford to have kept Lawson. Um, they replaced him with an intriguing guy, but again, just really one year of very good production. And then you've got to look at the circumstance he was in down in the Saints. S- Sam Hubbard, not necessarily your starter guy. Um, so pass rush is a... Is, is a need there. What what do you see? Who do you like from the pass rushing side of things? Yeah, I think it's actually a starting need in terms of defensive ends. And it's not a knock on Hubbard or Hendrickson. I, I think Hendrickson is a fine player, a guy I, I definitely like the addition of, of him. But it, even if it's a one-for-one one at best, even if they had kept Carl Austin, I'd be sitting here saying they need a defensive end. Yeah. Bengals play with three defensive ends in their nickel package. So Sam Hubbard kicks inside and was next to Geno Atkins. Atkins isn't here anymore. Uh, that's a hole also, defensive tackle, three-tech defensive tackle, a guy that can penetrate at a little athleticism. Uh, so you're looking at it and saying there's probably 600 snaps, maybe 500, depending on how it goes, uh, of defensive end snaps available. That's a starting yeah. position. If they get, roll into pick 38 and there's a first-round defensive end still there on their board, it may be hard for them to ignore it. They may look at it and go, ah. Oh, yeah, I know we need a, a a right guard, but we need a defensive end just as much. That that need is is strong. 
if they don't address defensive end or defensive tackle until the third, maybe the fourth round, let's say in round three, they end up with a D tackle, a guy that gets mocked them a lot. Someone everyone likes Milton Williams. I was going to say, he's the name that keeps the period. And he looks good, right? He looks a good player. He looks like a lot of the, those undersized quick defensive tackles that I've liked over the years, whether it be Javon Hargrave or Grady Jarrett or, or, you know, the list goes on and goes on and on. You want to find a way to get that guy. Don't wait. You want to wait because they said they tend to drop third, fourth round, fifth round for Jarrett. Uh, but you don't want to wait too long and let someone else take him. You know, so he's a target mm-hmm. in a weak defensive tackle class. Say they do that in round three, and he is your Geno Atkins replacement. You still need a defensive end to pick up 500-plus snaps. They're going to come out of this draft. You can't wait to the fourth round. That guy's probably not going to fill that role. They're going to come out of the draft and say, we got to sign a guy and sign a free agent and see who's out there. And I, I could see that happening. Uh, but it is a strong need. So I think they're in a t- tough situation there where they've got a lot of snaps not only this year, but they have future needs. Larry Ogunjobi is a guy who had a, a solid flashes in Cleveland. Uh, he's coming in on a one-year deal. You've got to extend St- Sam Hubbard. As of now, you really look in the future, and we're forgetting DJ Reader, who is a fine player, but not a pass rusher. You know, he's a big mm-hmm. body guy. He's gonna he's gonna cause havoc for offenses. But when they're out there in their nickel package, uh, there's some holes out there still on the team, and that's that's me kind of preparing for they go chase at five. And then in the second round, it's like Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest, defensive end. And we're like, and people are like, oh, no, they're, they're not taking offensive line. What are they doing? And it's like, whoa, they need a defensive end really bad, guys. It's not mm. too crazy. I, I know they're kicking the can down the road again on offensive line. And for me, I want them to act like offensive line cares, like they care about it, like it matters. Yeah. Um, so, like, doing that, I'd be like, eh, what are you doing? Because that's been a knock on them, right? They mm. Yes, they've invested in tackles. But guards is a, the guard is a position that they traditionally don't invest in. Um, I mean, you're looking at people like Kendrick Green in the third, perhaps, and uh, I don't know. Let Stone me pull up my list. I've got some names for you here. So interior offensive line, I think, is extra strong this year. Uh, the guy that I think will be a stud, uh, but he comes from a, a super small school, Wisconsin Whitewater is Quinn Miners. He went to the Senior right. Bowl. If you saw any of that, he's the guy with I his did, belly yeah. up and the mullet, and he just looks like a monster. Well, he plays exactly how he looks. He dominates Division Three opponents, and you should, but he does. So check that box. He tests like a 95th percentile athlete. Uh, he's been training with the top guys and is fitting in right with them. He dominated at the Senior Bowl. That's like, okay, when that guy's a pro bowler in three years, you, it'll be no surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll go in round two, maybe round three. He might still be there. I think a guy they would love is Ben Cleveland, the interior guy, guard, uh, perfect fit at right guard. He's 6'6", 350, looks like a mountain of a man. Uh, a little bit tight and stiff, but I think when you're getting that big, that tends to happen. Mm. I, I don't think it's an issue because if you look at like PFF grades, he graded very well as a zone blocker, so he'd be a great fit, and he had some size and, and strength. He's probably a third-round guy. Trey Smith out of Tennessee. You mentioned Kendrick Green, who's a freak athlete, center guard type guy. I would love to get him. Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. And I think a guy they may like is Sidarius Hutcherson out of South Carolina, more of a toolsy upside guy. Maybe he's a fourth rounder. But I do think even if they find a tackle at 38, we should be aware in third and fourth round of another offensive lineman. Um, they do have a history of, of success with, they're just going back to the defensive line again. They do have a history of kind of third, fourth round guys. So that seems to be a sweet spot for for the team. Um, so, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise if they 
they draft two offensive players, one on the line, one out wide, and then hit defense in the first three rounds. I think everyone's kind of expecting that, aren't they? The hard part is it never goes the way you expect. And, you know, so we sit here and we go, okay, these are your three needs. The draft seems to line up exactly. And then all of a sudden there's this tight end still there that you've got a second round grade on. And here he is in the third round. You go, all right, we'll kick the can down a little bit because, you know, maybe we won't take the D tackle right now. Maybe it's a linebacker that they drafted three last year, but is the unit really good? We don't know. I think we're all hopeful. But if there's a guy sitting there in the second or third round that you really like, you take it and you kind of, that's how it happens. You don't get to fill every hole because the draft never falls the way you completely want it to. And there's going to be better players on your board. So you have to be prepared to get flexible. And that's why it's like, you can target a second, third round offensive lineman or defensive tackle, like a Milton Williams. And then if he's not there or you got to go somewhere else, you're forced to go somewhere else because there's a really good corner available in the third round. You got to say, all right, who are the other defensive tackles in the fourth and the fifth? Because they need to take one. It's just, you know, you can't be so locked in on one guy. And I think, you know, good teams really do draft for uh, development, don't they? Whereas bad teams, and we have to say we have been a bad team for the last couple of years. Uh, we are looking to fill holes and right the ship. and But of course, that doesn't happen in one year, does it? Um, we and, and of course Taylor is really overhauling the roster. He's getting his his guys in. That's what it really feels like. This is his team now, with those pillars gone now. Gino, Gio, we were a bit sad, but you know, um, uh, Carlos is gone. All those guys, those real Marvin Lewis guys. It it really feels like he is constructing his team with his guys now. Um, <laughs> And that may be my biggest criticism of how it went down. It took two years to get rid of those guys. Mm. Whereas had you have done it right away, just rip the bandaid off. You probably would have gotten some picks. Maybe it's a fourth, a fifth, Mm. whatever the case may be. Maybe there are later picks. Having those extra picks now would have gone a long way. You know, there are a lot of holes. You're not going to fill them all in this draft. If we're being honest, even if you went O-line wide receiver, O-line DND tackle, all of our needs, right? Half of them are going to hit. So you're really only going to, fill half your needs on a best case scenario, they could use those other picks. You look at like 2012 when they ripped the bandaid off on Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson and Keith Rivers, even Remember, that should have been our John Ross fifth round pick. They did it all in one off season. And what they got out of it was extra picks to get the Marvin mm. Jones to get the George Iloka in, in the fifth round. Those are that's Chad and, and Keith Rivers, you know, that uh, the extra picks with Giovanni Bernard with um, uh, Tyler Eifert and Kevin Zeitler, you get, you mm. have those opportunities they didn't get that chance this year. So they have to draft better than they did last time. They have to attack free agency. They semi sort of have gotten much better in free agency. Uh, there's still ways to go there, but the other missing part now is the extra resources. Mm, mm. Um, in past years, every time you've been on, you've always more or less hit on a player. I remember Marvin Jones. That's always sticks in my mind. You're a huge fan of Marvin. And uh, what a player he was and still is, I guess. Um, And William Jackson as well. You hit on William Jackson quite memorably. Um, So this year, who who, who have you got your beady eye on? Who do you think that... uh, We've seen various visits, people like Taron Jackson down the bottom and uh, Chauncey Goldston as well and those sort of guys, any good fits there? Any good breed tips who you think uh, they might hit on that align with your own scouting reports? Yeah, there are, uh, I've got a few names here. I want to go with um, 
first at the top of the draft because we mentioned Milton Williams, but I just think it's the the reports, the rumors, their their activity, the way they like guys. I just can't not see them. It could be a trade back in round two, and you just take them and say, you know what, we want them. He the measurables, upsides there. Take mm-hmm. Milton Williams. It could be um, or at at sixty nine, and he's still there, and you and you take it. So we've mentioned him enough. I think en- enough conversations been there. I mentioned Ben Cleveland for a reason because I think he's going to be a fit and maybe a guy they say plug and play right guard right now. And even if some may say it's a little bit of a reach at 38, the guy tested really well. He's a starter in the SEC. And, you know, I think he's a, a great fit at that spot. So I wouldn't be surprised at 38. But they do, they're, they're a team that tends to trade back in round two. So my, my shot calling here is um, maybe a low trade, small trade back in round two. Ben Cleveland, Milton Williams, or Milton Williams, then Ben Cleveland. I can't tell who's higher there, but I could see that happening for the day two combo. For later in the draft, though, if so, say they miss out on Milton. I think a guy that fits as a fallback is Jonathan Marshall out of Arkansas. He's probably a fourth or fifth rounder. Here's another guy that when you watch him flashes a bunch, tested really well, um, very inconsistent on that Arkansas line, kind of had to be the hero all the time for them. So, you know, you're going to catch yourself out of position a little bit, trying to do a little too much. I think he's a developmental day three guy that fits perfectly. And then I can still see them going another receiver, even if they take chase. And so like Amir Smith, Marset out of Iowa, he was like one of the first guys they met with that I feel like if it's fourth round, fifth round, uh, speed guy who had bad quarterback play, I think he could be much better in the NFL than he was this past year in college. And, you know, for me, I, I, I still think Sidarius Hutcherson, I mentioned him on offensive line, they're probably going to take, wouldn't be surprised if those three offensive linemen, right? If they go 38 in round two, and then they come back, whether it's round three or round four, and take another old lineman, sixth or seventh round, late pick on an offensive lineman. To me, Sidarius Hutcherson's a guy that makes a lot of sense that if he's still there in the fifth, sixth, and it's possible because he's kind of a toolsy guy, um, that they would pull the trigger again. Um, do you think at, at this moment the Bengals are a better team than last year? That is a good question. At this moment, the draft hasn't happened, obviously. We should make that before someone, uh, uh, you know, clips this and tells me. (laughs) But it's hard. It's hard to say that because we thought we had Dunlap and Atkins and Green Mm. last year, right? At this moment, we thought maybe there's still a good year two or three left in that group. We were wrong. They, you know, we quickly found out that they were getting nothing from that trio very quickly. And we love those guys. Those guys Mm. are Wall of Fame type players, um, but they got nothing there. So now we know that <laughs> and now we can address those positions with that clear, that clear vision. Still, does that make them better defense? I don't know that they're better, but they're definitely different. And that could lead to better results. You know, rolling the dice again with different. There's certainly depth in the secondary, right? They've really invested sure. in the secondary, which no, I don't think anybody predicted that this off season. Right. Right. We thought, you know, bring back Mackenzie Alexander. Sure. If you lose Jackson, you get, you go sign another guy and that'd be it, you know, and then they'd probably be drafted in a corner, but instead they go out and even Eli Apple is a late guy. Mm. Uh, you see the way Darius Phillips reacts to that. Like, Whoa, this is a, this is a deep room. Now he's feeling a little bit nervous about it. That's yeah. a good thing. Cause we kept getting to LaShawn Sims and, and guys of that nature. And we're like, you can't keep rolling this guy out there anymore. You can't play defense in the NFL that way. So on paper, the secondary is not only deeper, I think it's a good secondary. You can mm. win with that. And uh, the D-line is the issue in the depth right there. I feel less confident in it than I did. It was a, it was a fake. It was a false confidence last year. We, mm. found, we found out quickly those guys weren't um, able to do it at a high level anymore or weren't willing to in maybe Carlos Dunlap's case. Mm. This year I have more concerns going into the draft with that position. Uh, 
offense could be better. Could be better this year. Should be. Yeah. I mean, they, I think the Reeves signing was was actually yes. probably their best signing, really, because that upgrades the line. And you just hope that Jonah can stay healthy, because mm-hmm. if he can, and under Pollock's guidance, you kind of hope that he would start to show some of that first, well, he did last year, but some of the really progressed, you know what I mean? Not, not just kind of show oh, yeah. flashes, but really progressed. There's multiple more steps in his game still, I think. I think we saw a good first 10 games. If that would have, had been his rookie year, we'd be really excited. I think everyone would be. There's still some mm. people that are like, you know, uh, was he good enough? I take that as his first 10 NFL games. That Those are flying, passing with flying colors there. If he takes another step or two under Pollock, I think we're going to step back and say we've got our left tackle. I mean, unanimously would step back. And the Bengals, I think, believe it now. But yeah. I think the rest of us would. And just expectation-wise, a lot of people have said, well, what do they need to do, A, to keep – well, what does Zach need to do to, A, keep his job, and, B, to show real signs of, of improvement? And lots of people say it's kind of a winning record or bust here. Uh, I mean that's a big jump from their past two years. Um, I'm I'm around the 500 mark, I think. Um, what about you? What what would what would represent real uh, development for you this season? And there's there's 17 games now, so we're no more 500 unless we're going to tie again. That's true. That's very true. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> but the tie is very likely with this franchise. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, uh, I for me. It's, it isn't always wins and losses. I thought the team was better last year than they were the previous year. So, mm. you know, even though the record isn't much different, they should have beaten that stretch of games right where they lost um, Joe, right? When they lost Burrow, they should have beaten Washington. They could have beaten Dallas. They could have beaten, I can't remember the other teams. In the there, Giants. I, remember feeling at the Giants. I, mean, yes. I mean, they should have beaten the Giants anyway with that Randy right. crazy. With Joe, I I feel like they would have done okay. They would have ended up with six, seven wins or whatever the case uh, had been. Uh, six and a half, right? Because they had to yeah. tie. Uh, so they were already better. But here's the big issue, right? They've led in a lot of games at one point. That uh, They've ended up in a bunch of one-score games that they've lost that they shouldn't have lost. They need to find a way to win those. Obviously, those are the good teams. Good teams find a way to win those close games, one-score games. And they they when you get a lead, you hold on to it and you you finish the thing off. So I think maybe the, the idea of them going for it on fourth down with the success they had last year built some of their confidence up. Seeing Joe play the way he did down the stretch in clutch situations, there was a couple times like the, the Colts game where he threw an interception at the end. But otherwise, I think we all felt pretty confident when he had the ball and he had time. We were like, yeah, he's going to find a guy. He's going to make the right throw. Uh, so I think when you get to that point of, of feeling that way, uh, you start to coach differently. You start to game plan differently. You start to manage the game a little bit differently. And I think we saw that just enough start to tilt, and then he got injured. And so I, I think if they can get to that point back quickly, uh, they will win some of those close games a little bit more often. They will win some of those games where they're leading and and, and ended up losing that, that Colts game because sticks out to me. What was it 21 nothing at one point? Mm-hmm. Um, should not happen if you're a good team. So And they weren't. But point is, that is the progress we'll see. The progress is closing those close games. The progress is holding on those leads that you'll get in the first, second quarter. And I think if we see that and they still go seven and nine or, or seven and 10 or eight and nine, whatever the case may be, I think there's a chance we'll see Taylor and the staff again. Mm. I always go back to that 2015 season, the last great Bengals team, I guess. Uh, they really did win those close games mm-hmm. and it really felt there was – it's not luck. It's not fate. There's just a certain momentum with a team, a good team like that, that does things 
well across the board, you know. Um, yeah. And that, you're right. I mean, that Cleveland game last year at home that we should have won. Yes. We should have beaten Philadelphia, really. Yep. We should have beaten the... You can rattle off the games. We should have beaten the Giants, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess it's it's kind of almost like the week before Christmas, really. Is that Does it still excite you? Does it still make you feel that way? It does. I, You know, less suspense, I think, because the last two years... Well, last year we knew it was Burrow. I think we're feeling pretty confident, or at least we're leaning hard now towards Chase. Um so less suspense for that. When you pick 21, it's hard to even know who will be available, let, mm. let alone project who they'll pick. Uh, so it's a little bit easier when they're picking this high. But what that means is you get a core player that could be a star player. And, geez, I mean, that gets me excited. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what would surprise you from the Bengals in this draft? I think a trade down. Uh, we The first time we heard Duke Tobin speak, he kind of it felt like he was saying they wouldn't trade down at all. And then this time when he spoke the other day, it was, well, we've received calls. We've talked about it. We have a core group of players that we don't want to miss out on. So that didn't completely eliminate it. So move down, what, three picks? And you can still get a Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern offensive lineman. Could Penny Sewell even still be there? I, there's some projections mm. that have him going in the 8, 9, 10, even 13 range. Mm. So if you can fall back, let a team come up and get their quarterback, let's say with Denver at 9, and you still ended up with – a Slater or Sewell, one of the two, which I think Slater is just as good, if not, you know, even better right now, but two years older, the development mm -hmm. path is different there. We're on a different timeline. Uh, you got a starting offensive lineman right away, and that would surprise me. But I don't think it's completely – that's the only reason why like, you see reports of 95% on Chase, whatever, if, even if that's a little bit stronger than I feel. Mm. The percentage, to me, the difference there, what's left over is a trade back. And that's a team calling up because they want their quarterback, and it's hard to – pass up that extra amount of picks. I keep banging on about Elijah Vera Tucker. I think he's the best guard in 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 this year's class. And mm -hmm. um, Frank Pollock has worked him out. And obviously teams do their due diligence and work out lots of different players. But I just wonder, would the Bengals be willing to trade down? Because he's going to be, what, the last quarter of that first round? Uh, and would the Bengals go that low? and still get a fine player like Vera Tucker. Right. It would have to be the Patriots at 15. What do the bears have 20 coming up to get their quarterback, right? You, you're going to get multiple premium picks. You go back mm. that far. So what are we saying? You get an extra first second, two seconds, a third. I mean, you're going to get a haul. Uh, the price goes up when a team's coming to get their quarterback too. So that's the, part of it. The lower they are, the higher the price is, I guess. Exactly. Well. Right. So say you go back to 15, because I think that is where the Vera Tucker range starts. Mm. I wouldn't be against it at all. I think he is tremendous. He's our top interior offensive lineman in, on the grades, and it's not that far from tackle, the top tackles in this class. So, yeah, he's a plug-and-play guard that gives you good play, and if you got a, a, a buttload of picks, it, yeah, I'm with you. I just complained about them not having enough resources, right? So when I make the case for trading back, to me, that balances it out, and I go, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, we'll wrap this up, Joe. Thanks so much for the time, as ever. Um, you talk about leaning towards Chase. Is that some, Is that you saying what you think the Bengals will do or what you would do personally? I think it's more of what I think the Bengals will do. Uh, here's two things I think I, I know. I think I know that Jamar Chase 
grades extremely high for them. And like they, no doubt in my mind, the thing, the data I collect, the things I watch, the, the, the trends I have for the Bengals all point to Jamar Chase. They love, he is high on their board. He grades very high. I can say that without having any information from anyone in the organization. They love Jamar Chase. No, I know it. Penny Sewell, I believe they like him. I believe they, they think he's a very good offensive line prospect and they would draft him. No doubt if Jamar Chase was not there. Uh, but there are more questions with Penesul. Well, he, he was 18, 19, like I said, when we saw him last. There's technique issues with him. Uh, the, he needs reps. He needs time. He, he did not play in the SEC like Jamar Chase did. You have maybe a couple guys you can watch on tape and you say, okay, that's good NFL competition guys that go round two, three, four, five type guys. Um, so there's more projection there for that. I do think they like Penesul and would take him. I just know for sure Jamar Chase grades very high for them. And because of that, I believe that's what they'll do. And then my other part where I can come in, where maybe like a, a, a reporter would say, yeah, they like Jamar Chase. I can come in and say, well, I've watched a lot of these offensive linemen in round two. I think a lot of them will fit. And I think a lot of them will be high on their board as well. And that they're projecting them to go in round two. I think that all points to they'll go chase, they'll go offensive line. Mm intriguing uh joe thank you so much man uh it's always a pleasure we've known each other for a long time now and it's always a treat to speak to you especially around this time of year so thank you so much thank you for having me paul it's, i'm excited to be back with you and like you said it's been a long time it's been a lot of years of doing this and uh you can have me on any time just reach out well there we go there's joe goodbury let me just uh kind of uh chew this last piece of vegetarian meatball down um quite tasty actually um hey as ever fantastic stuff from joe uh really went into it for us and again it's it is this time of the process where there's a dizzying amount of names and uh i do i do want to pick up on something actually that we discussed it's 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 quite interesting i think um a lot of the national media the u.s national media will want to uh slate us for not picking Panay Saul, because that seems likely, doesn't it, that they're going to go Jamar Chase in that first round. And um, I think the national media will slate us because they will see what happened to Joe Burrow. They will just uh, have a cursory look at the stats and uh, that will tell them that uh, our offensive line was one of the worst in football. And they will say, well, why the hell didn't you go um, Panay Saul? But Joe made a really good point. You know, AJ Green, he got 100 targets last year. Because, of course, uh, the Bengals line up with three wideouts. They line up uh, in 11 personnel. I mean, quite a staggering amount. So having that absolute quality wide receiver one, whatever you want to call it, uh, to supplement... T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd is absolutely crucial for what they want to do. Um, so I think there is a lot more nuance to the Penesal, uh Jamar Chase debate, but it certainly looks as though they're everything that we've read, everything that we've heard, um, it feels like they're going Chase at number five. Um, I yeah, mean, let, let's not does. let's not talk too much about that because we've everyone's gone into it and everything. But do you get that feeling as well, Nathan? Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely shifted towards that in the last week or two. I think before it, people were almost slightly leaning towards Saul. But I think all the, the chatter coming out of Cincinnati feels like they're set on Jamar Chase. I don't think it's been an easy decision for them. And I think, as you said, there's going to be a lot of easy headlines up for grabs by sort of some cheap journalists 
talking about oh the Bengals haven't addressed the offensive line and blah blah and I think those that's that story will quite quickly be dispelled because it's very very likely that with that 38 pick the Bengals are going to pick up a sort of fairly strong um, offensive tackle or interior offensive lineman and then all of a sudden you know you say fair enough they've done their job there and there's two big glaring needs that are taken care of so yeah, I do think it's going to probably be Jamar Chase. And I think what Joe said was bang on the money when he said, look, whatever the Bengals do here, people are going to be happy with it. If we take Saul, people are like, oh, I would have liked Chase. He'd have been great, but that's a solid pick. And vice versa, if they take Chase, it's going to be very exciting. It's got, you know, the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection. It's very, all of a sudden, one of the strongest um, wide receiver cores on paper having him on the team. And you have got going into next season, even without that second round pick that's projected to be a lineman, you have got two starting tackles in Jonah Williams and Riley Reef. So, um, yeah, I think people will be happy either way. And to be honest with you, if they pull a curveball, and I'd say there's probably a very low chance of this, if they do take Kyle Pitts, I think quite a lot of people will be quite excited about that as well, to be honest. Or even if they trade back, there could be some really good value there for a team looking to try and get a quarterback or someone they're particularly in love with. So I think it's a very good position for the Bengals to be in. If you're Duke Tobin and you're sat there, you really can't go that far wrong. A bit like last year in the first round when your first round pick was effectively served up to you on a plate. So, yeah, a strong position for the Bengals to be in, I think. Yeah, I think one thing um, before we move on um, is... The, the the whole focus on the Saul Chase debate all may, almost makes it like we've only got one pick in the draft. Do you know what I mean? And this is the choice that we've got. And it's important to remember that, you know, we've got picks in round two, three, four, five, two in round six and round seven as well. So it's not just all about that first pick. We're going to get a hell of a player in that first round. And... Um, but as Joe said, you know, don't be surprised if, you know, there's a there's a pass rusher or a defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman sitting there in round two that the Bengals have a really high grade on and they go for for him instead of, a, you know, being forced into an offensive lineman. Don't be surprised by that. That's how kind of the draft works. I think a lot of fans go by need rather than the board itself. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, I've got a question for you, son. I've been wanting on, to ask you this for weeks. Oh, go on. Yeah. Conceivably, yeah. So, you know, that it could effectively happen. Everyone's talking about Chase or maybe Kyle Pitts. What do you think is conceivably the worst case scenario for the Bengals? How could they see, like mess the first round up? Because at the moment, I think for like all fans, if you take Jamar Chase, people are putting down an A or a B plus or whatever. Same with Panay Saul, probably the same even with Kyle Pitts. Is there any conceivable way the Bengals could mess this first round up based on just first reaction from fans' perspective? I, I personally know because I think those three guys will – one of the – one, if not all of those three guys will be there at five. I really believe that. And if, you know, there isn't, you know, for, for whatever reason, someone takes Saul, someone takes Chase, you're still talking about Devonta Smith, who's a Heisman Trophy winner, and yeah. also Jalen Waddle, who's fantastic as well. And then Rashawn Slater, who many think yeah. is better than Panay Saul. So I, I, I don't think they can go wrong at five. Um, if someone... would, you, would you be would you be extremely disappointed if Panisol was on the board and they took Rashawn Slater? 
Um, I am a well, sore guy. It feels, it feels extremely unlikely, but just if they were to do something like that, or, you know, I know Ben maybe likes to have a joke about if they were to take Mika Parsons, but I'm just yeah. trying to think, like, how could the Bengals, like, you know, just do this wrong? Like, what, what would a, you know, we're all talking about the obvious, uh, you know, duo really or possibly trio but what's a you know or if the Bengals trade back three positions I, I even think, then you, whoever you take you get a second an extra pick in the second round yeah, most likely so I, don't, I think, I think people could, be okay with that yeah i think i don't think they can screw it up i genuinely don't i mean if they trade down <laughs> and and draft greg rousseau or someone like that in you know what i mean the the only thing yeah, they, yeah, might, yeah. they might do is overvalue some some guys or certainly have a value on guys that doesn't meet you know, national media's value. Say, if they picked Rashawn Slater at seven, is that too early? A lot of people think yeah, that yeah. might be a bit too early. But we're getting. We, I, I don't fret about that sort of thing too much. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe selecting a cornerback in the first round. You know, they um, took like they took like JC Horn. <laughs> yeah, um, at number five, just like completely randomly. I think they, they'd have a few people. If they drafted a kick, if they drafted a kicker in round two, maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, okay. So Joe went through some of his draft crushes, and uh, I think we mentioned that we're going to have a stab at this as well. So do you want to kick off with this? Who who's, who have you got your eye on? Not necessarily someone the Bengals should take but just someone that you really like someone i've fallen in love with throughout the process randomly i've just watched a lot of his videos and i like his demeanor and his style and his name reminds me of someone that would be like <laughs> auto generated on madden as a quarterback right. is kyle trask from florida right um i just think he's and I, I think the bengals have got obviously brandon allen sat there as the backup they haven't really got anyone behind that and i do think that a quarterback I would not be surprised if the Bengals certainly got an undrafted free agent. And I think they almost certainly will do that. But I would not be surprised if the Bengals pulled the trigger on a late round quarterback, like round six or seven. They did it with Ryan Finley a couple of years ago. And I do think that Brandon Allen, I think Brandon Allen at times last year looked dreadful and at times looked very, very competent. But I, I do think if you could get a guy like Kyle Trask in the third or fourth round, he probably won't go that far. And it's not a pressing need for the Bengals at all. So you'd argue that there are much bigger holes there. You'd much rather take a, you know, a lineman or something like that to add value. But from what I've seen from Trask, I just really like him. He's got great touch on his throws. He's like that prototypical sort of six foot five size for a quarterback. Really played well last year and took a massive step forward. And he just looked very his mechanics look good i mean he had some fantastic weapons in pits and Kadarius tony to throw to but i just as a sort of late around guy that could be available i just he's, he's someone that i'll be intrigued to sort of see how he pans out okay i'm gonna go for um a bit of an obvious one but i really like him elijah vera tucker avt the big avt yeah. i think he's yeah. the best guy he's down as a tackle on pff but he's a guard usc yeah. Big, big lad, no messing around. The next Quinton Nelson, probably not as good as him, but in that sort of league. Um, He'd be like the dream second round pick for the Bengals. He would he? be. He's not, he's not going to last, I don't think. No. Um, and uh, another guy, I, you know, I started doing the mock drafts quite early, as is my want. And um, the guy that I started to mock, quite early was a guy called uh, Alim McNeil from North Carolina State and I think yeah I really like him I don't think the Bengals will go for him he's got a bit of three technique to him but he's more of that DJ reader guy where he's you know he's 320 pounds he's quite um 
He's more a nose tackle, but he has got some disruptive uh, play to him, and I really like him. And I think the Bengals will go more three technique rather than just pure nose tackle. So, Alan yeah. McNeil, even though I really like him and I mocked him to us quite early and quite often, uh, I don't think he's quite what we need. Because I say I think he's he's another DJ reader, but I, certainly I like him a lot. Interesting. I, I think I said this last week. Zaven Collins is a guy that if he was there in the second round, I'd be really interested in. I don't think he will. I think he's very likely to be the first, um, or not, maybe not the first linebacker off the ball with Mika Parsons, but certainly a first round pick. I just love his size, six foot five. He's quick, he's strong, he can cover. And I just think the Bengals linebacking group is a sort of area that, you know, a lot of young guys there. There's not been an experienced backer brought in. And I do think that an extra sort of young, high caliber linebacker coming in would boost the group no end. And like I said, if he was there in round two, I'd love the sort of size and speed and aggression that he'd bring um, coming over from Tulsa. So he's someone that I would love to see us pick up in the second round. Quite unlikely, but um, yeah, he's a favourite of mine. OK, I'm going to go an edge rusher. I do like my my boys on the defensive line, I must say. Um, there's something about... Just absolute wrecking balls you love, son. These I big, do. strong lads. Yeah, I do. I, I don't know what it is. I, I get a bit hot under the collar when I see these lads in action, I must say. <laughs> I'm going to go for uh, edge rusher Peyton Turner. And um, he's been worked out by the Bengals, so there's a possibility that he's going to be knocking around you know, early third round, mid to late second. I don't know. And, of course, this is the other thing. We don't know how it's going to go. There might be a run on offensive linemen, then all the pass rushes might fall into round two. Do you know what I mean? Or vice versa. Um, there might be a run on wide receivers. There might. Who knows? That's the kind of excitement of the draft. But, yeah, Payne Turner out of Houston. Massive long arms. And uh, just imagine what <laughs> you could You love your do. long arms these days, Sunday. I mean, you love those long arms. He's got arms like South End, as long as South End Pier, apparently. And... Uh, <laughs> He's just massive. He's just, uh, but he, yeah, he's he, he had like a ninety pass rushing grade before he got hurt last last year. And I like him. I like his athleticism. I like his motor, and I think he would be very good uh, if we picked someone like him um, uh, for our defensive line. Who we let's face it, we do need some pass rush. Help. So I've I've got my eye on a few pass rushes, but Peyton Turner is the one that. Uh, Impress me most, I think. On that rail, on that sort of notion of pass rushes, another guy that stood out to me a little bit from watching some videos, and I don't think it's easy for him to stand out with a name like this. I've tried desperately to pronounce is Osa Odigizua from okay. UCLA. Yeah. Um, interior defensive lineman. Just one of the things I always look for when a, a defensive lineman is that just absolute non-stop effort and high motor. I think that's the one thing that all scouts are talking about with him is that really being the sort of main feature of his game. He can play across the whole defensive line, great lower body strength. And I think with Gino not being brought back yet, that is a big need for us, someone to sort of come in there and mm. fight people like Mike Daniels for playing time. So, yeah, he's someone potentially that I think would be an interesting pick for us. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to go next um, to the offensive side of the ball and I'm going to go for a running back. Um, now, I like P. Ryan and I, I quite like Travion Williams, but I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted someone um, 
in the late rounds, maybe even you know pick up an undrafted free agent. Um, but I'm going to go for Chris Evans out of uh, out of Virgin Radio. I mean, no, sorry, Michigan. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I like him. I, he's shifty. He's got good size, about five eleven. So he's 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 bigger than Geo, uh, two hundred eleven pounds. Um, but uh, yeah, he's got he's got he can do a bit of everything and. Uh, Crucially, he's a really, really good uh, receiver out of the backfield. And uh, I think we need one of those sort of Swiss Army knife guys back there. He's got good speed, good size, does everything well. I think he could be, you know, third, fourth round, something like that. But, yeah, I like Chris Evans. So um, he's one to watch out for, I think. Interesting, Sam. I mean, one of the... um... Nothing on that on that line in terms of running backs. I was looking at Michael Carter. Um, hmm. He's similar sort of size to Geo, about five foot eight. Um, went to the University of North Carolina as just like Geo, so I thought it'd be like a carbon copy replacement. Extraordinary seven point nine yards a carry average, and he was the fourth rated PFF running back um, last season. And I think the other thing with him is he's going to be available probably rounds three to four. So you'd hope that. You know, probably a bit early for the Bengals to be going running back. I think you're probably spot on when you're talking about like rounds five, six and seven, probably a bit more likely. Um, but also another trait for him, similar to Joe Mixon, no fumbles in the last two years, which I know something obviously is vital with a running back. Um, he's got a couple of thousand yard seasons under his belt. So, um, yeah, someone that stood out to me. Um, finally, I'm going to go with wide receiver. And, uh, you know, there's lots of different kinds of wide receiver in this draft, There's uh, as, as there is every year. True outside guys, some slot guys, some little, I say little, but smaller gadgety guys with like tearaway speed. You look at the Elijah and Rondale Moore, for instance, they're, they're guys that have been mentioned. But I'm going to go with uh, someone uh, out of North Texas. His name is Jalen Darden, and uh, he's just insane to watch he's got a real real speed speed and he's got big playability he's got that sort of x factor you put the ball in his hands and you just say off you go son and uh yeah uh, i'm going to be looking out for him but there's a couple like him like Dwayne eskridge and uh, Demetric felton as well um so yeah um but i'm going to go jalen darden to finish it all off, this is a guy I think would be, if we go with Chase in the first round, would be a perfect fit for us in the second round. Sam Cosme from Texas. The Bengals made a big point last draft and the draft before that, looking to try and identify captains and people to sort of assume leadership roles in the locker room. Sam Cosme, a captain, three years starter, good experience, obviously a big ginormous lad at about six foot six so i think he'd be a strong person i think you'd be getting good value getting him at 38 there's been a few mock drafts that got got him going in round one so i think if he was there at um in the second round for us it'd be a fantastic pickup yeah i agree but all these players all these names they keep on coming uh it's not long now until we find out uh, which uh which players will hopefully improve the bengals uh, even more and make us competitive or more competitive next uh, year. Now, uh, I put it out there and asked you guys uh, to give us some of your own draft crushes and uh, let's get to our correspondence. We are, of course, at Today underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK uh, on Facebook and YouTube. So do say hello. Um, 
Touchdown Tips at Touchdown Tips. Uh, like Joe, Quinn Minots, good one for when we double down in uh, on OL in in two and three. So Adam thinks we're going to uh, we're going to go uh, offensive line uh, twice. Uh, Sands at Bengals underscore Sands, and if you don't follow uh, uh, Sands, you should. He he produces some fantastic film breakdowns of all the top prospects and he's a, he's a good guy as well he likes Landon Dickerson uh, another interior uh, offensive lineman great uh, potential apparently but a bit of an injury background do they risk that top of the second we'll see uh, Penne Saul enthusiast at raw underscore 64 solid handle uh, Simi Fihoko uh, the wide receiver of Stanford, uh, Jeff Smith at Natty Bow. Uh, he likes Malik Herring. Um, Over the Hill Photography at Over the Hill P. I know we have far more important needs, but Pat Fryermouth would be interesting. Of course, uh, Fryermouth is a tight end, and that's uh, an interesting position. Uh, I don't know whether they will... Um, go with those with that group in this draft but you know uh, there, there really are so many options aren't mm, there i mean i did yeah. a bit of a breakdown before the podcast just like what positions do we need and you're basically looking at o-line d-line you could argue yeah. two guys on both wide receiver i think you can make an argument we need two guys one earlier on one later on tight end i think everyone's talking about you know is there a guy there again maybe in later rounds running back with geo being gone now all of a uh, all of a sudden potentially becomes a need quarterback as i mentioned earlier certainly you need to bring a kicker in um they're not really an obvious one on the roster at the moment and then i think there's always that chatter about cornerback isn't there you know we've got these guys on hugely long contracts you know is there a need for a cornerback potentially later rounds as well so there really are a lot of positions for the Bengals to try and fill in this draft. Yeah, I, do you know what? I do think I think we might see two receivers, two offensive linemen, and two defensive linemen in this draft, and maybe yeah. a, maybe a linebacker, maybe a tight end, maybe a kicker. Who knows? Um, we'll see. CJ at who? CJ. I love Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. Think he probably goes late day two, but he falls to day three. I'd love the Bengals to pick him up as a geo replacement. Uh, uh, Ed Sevestis at Yui Blab for three. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Jabril Cox and Zavin Collins, basically any high-end coverage linebacker. Much bigger needs, but tight end been killing us for a decade. It's a fair point. And uh, I, I kind of like Jamin Davis uh, as well, I must say. Um, Moz at Moza 92 Too many Fields Vera Tucker Minus Landon Dickerson Jalen Darden Kendrick Green And Quinton Morris Because Morris's stick together uh, His surname is Morris obviously Just to name but a few Thoughts on the draft Bengals would definitely be a better team come Saturday night And I can't effing wait for it There we go I, I think that echoes Um uh, yeah, I think that echoes most ja- people. Jamin, Jamin Davis is an interesting player that you were talking about because he, I've seen him mocked as high as, you know, sort of in the 20s in round one to as low as sort of the, you know, sort of the end of round three. So he's an interesting player to see where he winds up. Um, could be one for the Bengals potentially in round three, I think. 
Uh, yeah. Um, B Hayes at Brendan Hayes. I like Tylen Wallace possibly falling to round two if we take Saul. Uh, I was quite big on Tylen Wallace actually, and uh, but I'm not now. So uh, there you go. Um, Sean, <laughs> the sh- <laughs> I don't know. It's just like you know, the more you watch, you think actually he's he's good, um, but he's more of a round three guy. I think he's a wide receiver. That is. Uh, Sean the Sheep at Beer and Footy, please. Uh, Tommy Tremble, with a name like that, he has to be amazing. I agree. He does sound like a musical comedian from the 1920s, doesn't he? Or like uh, a WCW Tom- wrestler, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, Tommy Tremble. Here he is, Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tremble's a name. Tommy Tremble's a <laughs> name. WC- WC- double, uh, WCW Cruiserweight Champion, Tommy Tremble. Absolutely. Uh, RJR2112. At Randy two three nine two nine four eight eight. Randy, mate, <laughs> you've got to get your handle sorted out. You ain't going to get no solid handle from us. Uh, that, that's a, not a solid handle. That's not. That's a very. Uh, that's a weak handle. That's a very weak handle, isn't it? No offense, Randy. I'm sure you're a very solid <laughs> person. Just sort your handle out, mate. Uh, Michael Carter, running back from North Carolina, explosive, can block and catch, play the slot, and run as well as anyone. Perfect there we to go. Replace Gio on the in the same third. page as me there, Randy. Yeah. Uh, Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Deo Yingbo, the Vandy Edge 5 Tech. Diami Brown, a wide receiver from UNC with a devastating double monster stutter step that destroys even the best CBs. And I love myself some good uh, linebacker film. Jamie Davis, the Kentucky linebacker. Nathan Sangera at Punjay93. Um... Dimitric Felton, potential Geo Bernard replacement and can be a rotational slot receiver as well as a running back. Lots of good gadget players um, uh, available, obviously. Duncan Eden at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. It's Saul for me, but if we get Chase or Pitts, I'm not bothered as they are all going to make an instant impact. Want Just want the draft to happen and then all the speculation ends. I'm sure the national media... We'll have a negative take on whatever we go with. Yep, I hear that, uh, Duncan. I don't think they could have a negative take if we took Saul, to be fair. You'd, you'd be hard-pushed to see how you, you know, you're taking probably the consensus best tackle in the draft. I think you'd avoid uh, any criticism there. But at the end of the day, it's all bollocks, and it takes the best guy you need. Don't worry about <laughs> exactly, don't, it's don't all worry. bollocks. Don't worry about what, you know, Mel Kuypers of the world and, you, you know, what's his name? Um... Colin Cowards are saying, just crack on yeah, with it. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew Dockrell at Dockers77. And thanks to Andrew for producing uh, many mock drafts for us this uh, this draft season. We've got one more to go, so look out for that. Um, he says, Panay Saul, there's a lot of exciting day two DL guys, but we need to force uh, an OL pick then. But my Bengals-related ones for day three are Kendrick Green, John Bates and Racy McMath. Bates makes a few showings on the 100 CPU draft, which is coming up this week. Racy McMath. Now, there's a solid handle. Solid handle, Racy McMath. Killian Malloy at Malloy underscore double zero. I'm slightly on the side of Team Saul. However, I think Chase will be the pick, though. No matter who we pick, they will both improve us. Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State is a round two guard that has fallen a lot to me in mock drafts. Guard still is a very big need. I would argue if Saul is not happening, guard is the number one offensive line position that we need to fill. 
Um, the interior last year was shocking. Um, and we've got, as you mentioned earlier, Nathan, we've got Williams and we've got Reeves. So, you know, a couple of decent bookends there, but we need to sort that interior out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think that Quentin Spain having a full off-season under his belt will help that interior part of the line. I think centre is going to be interest, uh, interesting. You've obviously got the injury that Trey Hopkins suffered at the end of last year. You know, that's going to be something that... I mean, I, I like, Trey Hopkins is such a fan favourite in the locker room and he comes across as a really, really smart, knowledgeable guy. But... I think we have to acknowledge his play at best has been average over the last couple of years. And coming off a serious injury like that, I think centre is another position that, um, you know, we threw some guys' names around there um, that could potentially be sort of mid-round picks like um, Quinn Marines. Is that how you pronounce it? From Wisconsin Whitewater. Is that right? No, Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners. Yeah. Um, He's a geezer that could, you know, be someone to pick up in sort of round three potentially yeah, well, if he's Joe, there. Yeah, Joe, Joe really liked him. and Yeah, exactly. Him. And he's a big lad that could come in and certainly provide some depth and competition. I think that's what we need on that line. You're not necessarily going to get anyone unless it's Panay Saul that's going to probably come in and start on day one um, in the second round or something. It's just more if, if Jonah Williams gets hurt again or Reef goes down. You need someone that can step in that's going to play at a higher standard of like an undrafted guy or a Hakeem Adenergy that's going to, you know, was drafted in the sixth round. And whilst you might be high on him, to thrust him in there and expect him to play at a sort of an NFL starting calibre is, is difficult so I think it's more just bringing in a guy that you'd have a bit more faith in you know slightly more slightly further along development wise got a bit more raw talent that could um, yeah could come in in that second or third round and of course what Joe says about Frank Pollack I think is 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 very yeah. relevant and the fact that True. you would hope that he could get more out of the guys that are already there but as I think I said six seven months ago you know, let's not rely on Pollack's coaching skills. We need Pollack, we need Pollack's coaching skills allied with new talent, proper talent. And uh, but yeah, let's hope Pollack sort of irons out through a few of the things that Turner was teaching them. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, you just think the biggest thing that Frank Pollack could do that would just be like a complete revelation for the Bengals would be to get something out of Billy Price. I mean, Billy Price is been on the roster for what feels like forever and is always one of those guys he sort of comes in he gets hurt a bit he plays poorly comes back in he plays okay for a game and then he drops off and I just think if you could get something out of him you know potentially you know he might start the year as the starting centre if Trey Hopkins is not Absolutely, in the yeah. right shape or he's not you know still recovering from that injury and he's a guy that first round pick obviously hasn't lived up to nearly that first round billing that we would have all hoped for but you know he's been in the league a bit longer now he's got Frank Pollock showing in the ropes this off-season. So that would be a huge... I mean, that would be a, an addition in its own right if we could get some more out of him. Absolutely. Donny at Ippy Don. I think we take Chase, but I would prefer Saul. Either would obviously be a great addition, though. Feels like we have another number one draft pick with QBs likely going before us. Draft crush is Travis Etienne. Not for the Bengals, but we'll be eyeing him up for fantasy purposes. Uh, Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird, 688. Genuinely excited about this year's draft. Got a real honking day on Friday, so I won't be able to stay up. Uh, draft headlines over coffee in the morning. Would love to see Saul get the nod, but won't lose my shizzle if it's Chase. And I think that's perfectly summed up. I think we will get a good player, potentially uh, you know, someone who can make a real impact uh, as soon as he walks into the building. 
with that first round pick and hopefully a second round as well and hopefully third round uh, as well. That's what we need. Uh, well, that's your lot. I hope you enjoyed uh, Joe Goodbury and um, you can follow Joe, of course, at Joe Goodbury on the Twitters. I'm sure you already do. Many thanks to him for making his annual appearance. Nathan, we will speak to you soon. Um, you're going to be around here, there and everywhere in the next few weeks, aren't you? I am indeed, my son, but I've always, I've always got the time in my schedule for uh, for you on this, so don't worry about that. Well, that's good to know, isn't it? But yes, the waiting is almost over. Uh, we're recording this on the Monday, Thursday night when it's all happening. And uh, obviously for a lot of British uh, fans out there, we'll know first thing Friday morning. So uh, look out for instructions on how to watch our... Uh, good morning Bengals fans program on Friday and Saturday morning uh, uh, which will be streamed live on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube but until then enjoy the draft Uh, don't get too angry if they don't pick the players that you want Um, but yeah enjoy and we will speak to you soon it is a who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.